<laughs> it would be a wolf, but eh? Hi everybody and welcome back to the Wolves Fancast for your latest match review episode with me Gully, your host and I'm joined by Stu and Tom to really welcomingly kind of, you know, celebrate a win. How's it feel, Stu? Start with you. I mean, you could you could barely get the words out your mouth. I know it's, it's just it's just a bit of a shock, isn't it? You know, it's uh, it, it's it's a long time coming. It feels odd, you know. And looking forward to watching match today rather than knowing that we're going to be last anyway because we've been awful and getting away with it from that point of view. And then waiting. It was This is the first time this season I've actually watched it as it went out and not on 4K on the iPlayer on the, the next day. So I lowered my standards just to see us win, which is always a good thing, really. Yeah. I mean, Tom, how, how was the, the journey home from actually picking up three points? Just relief. Like, complete relief. I mean, I guess we'll go into the game a bit later. And, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a Mona Lisa of performances by any stretch of the imagination. But to think about the dross we've had to go through the past couple of months, I'll take it. I'll take it for sure. I mean, obviously, uh, a lot's going on around the club uh, at the moment. You know, the, the, the fixtures are almost a bit of a sideshow uh, to the whole managerial situation and are we aren't we going to have someone in position soon which we'll come on to a bit later in the pod um but beforehand we know it's not in the forest bottom of the table not really looking like they're capable of handling this level Stu, how was you feeling pre-match i mean the narrative was set up all week on it that it was going to be gibbs white with a thunder bastard in the last minute of injury time to lose one nil to um, it was more of a, more a case of I'd kind of accepted that that would happen, so I, I went in quite quite chilled and not really expecting anything at all. I mean, after Chelsea, I mean, obviously they couldn't do anything about that anyway in the short space of time that Steve Davis had. But yeah, it, it was just one more of what will be will be with this game. It's just one of them. Um, I didn't realise that they would be as absolutely diabolically bad as they were um which was a welcome welcome addition obviously but yeah i just i had no expectation because i really didn't know what to expect really i mean well you didn't comment about anything which is weird which is only the the, the ongoing faux gripe between me and, me and you a bit arguing on twitter about it but there was no comment at all so why what was your thoughts on it uh, just pretty much you want about yeah. Yeah. To be honest, I, I was so preoccupied with uh, with uh, helping my cousin around and, and getting into the game and stuff that it became yeah like a bit of a a side issue. Um, just making sure that that he was happy, went for a beer before the game and stuff, which isn't usually what we do. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, there to try and enjoy the occasion as much as possible, having you know a visitor from like halfway across the world <laughs> with me. So, I mean, obviously the uh, the the lineup announcement came out. Maybe not too many shocks in there, but Tom, did you did you feel any better after seeing the, the team announced? Um, um, or, or was it quite 
Yeah, no, I, 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 when I saw that lineup, I was, I was fairly happy. I'm, I'm kind of similar to Stu. Was very relaxed before the game. Kind of felt as if you know, like a death row prisoner just before they're about to walk <laughs> to the electric chair. Just like a moment of serenity kind of comes over you, and it's just like, look, this is a very, very small, tiny, microscopic event in a large kind of scope of football history, and what will be will be. And I must admit, I was. I was expecting us to lose um, super pessimistic, but also, yeah, weirdly calm and just kind of accepting the fate of the football club losing and Morgan Gibbs White scoring. But yeah, when I saw the lineup, I thought, I guess that's, that's the best that we can do at the moment. I think, and I guess we'll come on to Totti as well. That was the sticking point, but I was quite excited before the game to see him start because I've always really enjoyed watching him play when he has played for us. Um, Traore as well, I was kind of excited about too. Um, but overall, I think it was probably the most sensible lineup that kind of, um, you know, it was it was cautious, but also, you know, that there is a lot of flair in there to, to do bits, for sure. I, I really wanted to go off on like a, a what would your last meal be before being executed tangent then but we'll save that for another podcast i think someone someone drop it in twitter corner on the next uh, on the next <laughs> podcast we can, we can make a bit of a, a conversation about that but um yeah let's do like you mentioned obviously morgan gibbs white uh featuring for for forest as well um emmanuel dennis a couple of interesting players in there but a lot of the team that probably would have been associated more with the the promotion especially when you look at like say, scott mckenna steve cook um Brennan Johnson as well it didn't give the feel of a club that had made 22 signings and, and decided to, to chuck them all in no it was I mean you look at that lineup and you think how different was that to the the, the side that we faced in the uh Carabao Cup last year <laughs> and it, it just it doesn't scream survival at all does it really let alone anything out of that considering the money they've spent and I, I guess because nothing has really worked for him so far with the, the sheer amount of players they've bought in. He's gone back to the players that he knows. That's what it seems like to me. Um, but obviously, they're now any the standard. <laughs> and you look at that team and how many of that team would you even want in a, in a Wolves squad, let alone the starting lineup? Yeah, I, I, I'd take Dennis. I think I would take Dennis for sure. Um I I was kind of quite surprised that it was Forrest that he went to in the end because he was like their 68th signing at that point. So I was I was quite shocked. But overall, yeah, you're looking at that squad and it it, it doesn't scream out survival. You're quite right. Um, but yeah, I, th I think looking at that lineup, Dennis is the only one I would take a punt on the rest. Just I, I can't see it. I, ca I can't see them really being in this league next year. And I mean, Lingard on the bench, and that's not the first time as well. He He's not really been this kind of you know central figure in the squad that we were all led to believe at the beginning of the season um so that's quite interesting i don't know I'd, i i would be i would be i would love to be a fly on the wall in that dressing room uh and see what the dynamic is with all of those new players and and that manager that was you know lauded for everything he did last season it must be quite interesting at the moment to be to be a fly on the wall in that football club yeah, it feels like the the eggs have moved from kind of the Lingard basket to the Morgan Gibbs White one, uh, and he's kind of the great great hope for for that club. Um, what reception did you expect him to receive, Tom, <laughs> when when you, when you saw him? Uh, did, did you feel any angst towards him whatsoever? Or? I mean, I I must admit, and I've I've tr 
in the past couple of seasons, I've really tried to get on the bandwagon of him being this local lad, gonna gonna really kind of be the next Wolves captain, this, that, and the other. I really tried to engage in that conversation, but it feels like Morgan Gibbs White, you know, he was around that first team for years and years and years. I never, I was never that taken by him. And I'm kind of personally a little bit indifferent. I think the 45 million price tag uh, made me happy. But I, I just don't necessarily think he did enough at the club, which is a crazy thing to say, considering he's been there since he was a teenager or even younger, um, to have any kind of animosity towards him, if that makes sense. He he went to Forest because he wanted to play football week in, week out. He thinks he's good enough to be the main man. Forrest pro- promising that, him that. So you can't really you can't really knock him for that. And for that, I, I wasn't there joining in the booze and things like that. As I said, personally, fairly indifferent. But I did. I, w- I would have hated it if he'd scored though. Let's just get that right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we're all we're all definitely um, of of that opinion. But getting into the game, I think. It, the pattern kind of seemed to settle in quite early on with uh, with Forest sitting off a little bit uh, compared to some of their earlier games, especially. I think they, they seem to have come around to the idea that they, they can't go out and attack teams because they'll get opened up. And it was a familiar kind of Wolves match so far this season, wasn't it, Stu? Dominating possession, a uh, bit of a lukewarm kind of attack and not really making too many breakthroughs. Yeah, I think it wasn't really helped by how deep they were either. Um, so you, you couldn't really play through them because they were all behind the ball. And I mean, I, I feel, I mean, we, all, we saw the game on Monday against Villa and they were playing for a draw from the start against one of their, let's be honest, relegation rivals, which is what they, Villa are, going to, are at the minute. And they just seemed so passive. Like they, they weren't bothered. They weren't bothered at all in, in, in attacking. And they came to stifle us at every opportunity and maybe snatch something on the break and I thought we just did what we we, uh, we did what we could we know we can't we don't score at the best of times anyway um and possession's never been our problem because of the, the technical quality that we have on the ball but not having any threat was my big worry about this game and where I thought all along that it would be one nil forest but I was more encouraged by the fact that they were trying to get down the wings and cross the ball into the box and there were, there were yeah. times after about five minutes that we had three, three people in the box, which is got to be some kind of record. They all got um, those boots, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that'll be, well, that'll be the medical department's fault as well. They want to check that out. <laughs> yeah, before, I'm sure it would. <laughs> but, um, I think the fact that Henderson, the first time I, I noted it was 20 minutes into the game when Henderson started time wasting. And you think, well, yeah. if, if this is what you're up against, then it's going to be a tough old day. I mean, Bruno was quite... Bruno Large, uh, former manager now, um, quite keen to point out his record when we had a striker uh, starting games. Obviously, this was Diego Costa's home debut. Um, first real chance we got to see him in the flesh. Bit surreal <laughs> for me still that, that we've actually got him playing for us. But do you think that encouraged that that kind of slight change in approach, Tom, in, in terms of getting Adama on the wall, particularly and getting crossing the box? 100%. I think... Um... I don't think we we I think we can all agree that we did not see the best that Diego Costa can be um, yesterday, but that's not a disparaging comment against him. I think I think his pure presence does lift people a little bit. That you know, serial winner, super experienced, everywhere he's gone, he's scored, he's 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 made a huge impression on that squad and on the league in, in general as well. And you know, you, you, as as a player with that kind of 
with that person in your squad, it's going to lift the standards. And I think we were doing some really good stuff in the first half and using Traore as an outlet, we were getting those balls out to him on flank. Um, that end product still needs fucking work on. And I think you could work on it until he was about, I don't know, you could work on it 24 hours a day to, for the rest of his career and it's still not going to be there. But he's trying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we obviously had the, the header off the post, which I didn't realise Kilman had, had, had got up to, yeah. to that part of the pitch, frankly. I, I don't know when he managed to to kind of saunter his way up there. Um, thought it thought it was Costa at first because we were at the other end of the, the pitch. But um, that kind of almost felt a little bit like one of those moments that made you think, well, is it actually going to happen for us? Um, but then Traore, again, uh, coming onto the, the key moment in the game uh, from our perspective, cutting inside onto his left and uh, enforcing a decision. Um, I didn't recall a big reaction at the time to suggest we'd all thought it was a handball. Um, Stu, did you think that anything had happened at the point or or were we just ready to go and just take a corner? I had no idea. No no one around me, back row the Steve Bullupper, no one around me had any idea what was going on, (laughs) what, what they were even checking for. I mean, it, it didn't look like it was going. It was a, it was a handball at first, and then, but then as soon as you saw that the replay, you think, well, it's nailed on. Why did it take like four minutes or whatever it did? That was, that was the. I mean, it's just just bizarre. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think there was a fat lot from the players even uh, to, to kind of appeal for it. Um, Tom, did, would you have called that out as a, a stonewaller? Um, I'm still not. 100% there with it personally, but... Uh, yeah, Stonewall is a bit of a stretch, but I think if if you think about, if you get into the nitty-gritty <laughs> of the criteria for a penalty, I guess it's got to be given. And and, I, and I'm just trying to think if I was on the flip side and, you know, it, it's not given after that long check, you would be a little bit annoyed, well, you'd be frustrated. So, as I said, I think I've seen... I've seen them not given before and I've seen way more obvious ones given before, but I agree with Stu. Like I was in the steeple upper as well and no, no comments about penalty at all. So, you know, that, that was a little bit confusing, but ultimately I think I was just more shocked that Adam Atreo was able to kind of cut inside and, and hit a bit of a bullet with his left foot. Really. I was kind of reeling from that, but um, yeah, for sure. It, I think that we, the VAR gods, were kind of looking down on us on that day for sure um, to give us that. Yeah, and, and to be honest, we, we can't say that's happened too often. Uh, those, those gods <laughs> Absolutely not. So we'll take it, won't we? We've clearly committed to some, some kind of sin in a previous life uh, that has led to us um, being not favourably being upon in, in in those scenarios. But at that point, obviously, you're happy we've gone one nil up. Emphatic finish from Neves. Really good penalty against someone who's renowned actually doing quite well in those scenarios in Henderson which um was pleasing um I, I, I found it funny that I, I think it was Costa decided to pull his his man bun out and yeah, uh, yeah. for what reason I don't know um but he's a bizarre <laughs> I think when, when you're that much of a shit house it's just in your blood it's just, it just, kind of, <laughs> just to do things just, just kind of permeate every single thing you do so <laughs> whatever man I, I like it yeah and what I, what I what disappointed me anyway was that at that point you felt there was a foundation for us to go out, continue to dominate possession, continue to kind of assert our authority. But a fragility obviously exists underneath that at the moment. Um, and we kind of sat back and allowed Forrest back into the game. 
Um, Stu, what? Where did we start to go wrong? I think because it, it didn't really come to fruition in the attacking third thereafter, basically for the rest of the game. I mean, it could have just been pure shock that we were we'd scored and we were ahead. I mean, it could have it could have mentally fried their mind. I think I think you are right though. It, they're so mentally fragile at the minute that it's got to be in the back of their minds that oh god, we have got a goal. Let's protect it at all costs rather than try and get a second. I think if we had got a second pretty quickly, I think every, it would have been a totally different game and we could have actually scored more. Um, but I think just in the back of their heads, and again, probably rightly so after what's happened this season so far, that it well, it did seem very much a case of protect everything at all costs. And you didn't have Steve Davis on the sidelines pushing everyone forward like Bruno would have done and wherever for the last 80 months. So it, it seemed like he understood and in his comments after the game, it seemed like he was saying, yeah, that like with the songs and everything, and he wanted to join in, but he had to remain calm. And I think that calmness kind of worked in the end. And But then we did start to, to sit back too much and then invite pressure on ourselves and then lead to giveaway corners and then blah, blah, blah. You know exactly what's going to happen. And I mean, Dean Marsden in the comments there, the nerves were palpable from 70 minutes onwards. And that's, that's about right, because we hadn't got that second goal. And... They did start to, you can see it, it, they started to flag. And I think I would have brought someone on earlier. Um, I know it's moaning about subs when he actually did a really good job on, on the subs for a for a change for us, but <clears throat> it just seemed it needed a fresh fresh head more than fresh legs at that point because we were getting we were getting dragged deeper and deeper. Yeah, I, I think you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, aren't you? You could either yeah. go. You could either go, right, full throttle, we've got one goal, let's try and push for another and leave yourself really exposed at the back with Totti, who did not have the best game, or you actually just really park the bus and you invite that pressure and you rely on on the team to pull together and, and really kind of, yeah, with gritted teeth, drag yourself across the line. So I think it's one of those unique situations where a team that lacks so much confidence either of those decisions could go tits up and thankfully it just worked this time around yeah i, I mean maybe there was a pretty much just a, an idea that we should be good enough to hold out against this forest team you know they're not the most yeah. prolific obviously um and they weren't they weren't opening us up to any extent uh up until that point in the game and um, so maybe rear guard action just felt like a, a bit more of a comfortable approach than, than opening up too much against them um we did allow them to get an opportunity back into the game. Um, another VAR uh, contentious decision where Mateus Nunes uh, was was judged to have fouled in, in the penalty area on a corner. Um, again, another one that while there's a, there's a clear contact, there's a clear falling down of a player in the box, the kind of thing that, well, obviously wasn't picked up on in real time, um, I know Forest players were appealing for it. There seemed to be a bit of a handball shout in there at the same time as well. Um, so was it was it cardinal sin for you, or was it another debatable one? Uh, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a clear and obvious, was it? Um, but but saying that, you're asking for trouble if you start doing shit like that in the box, ain't you? And especially in the VAR era, you can't really be taking that risk. Um, and well, it's one of them, if it had been given, would it have been overturned? No. So 
looking at it like this from the other way around, I can see why he's giving because it, it, by the letter of the law, it probably is. It's probably soft. We know jostling in the box happens all the time. And there was another couple um, on match today last night that you watched, and and there was a few there, and you think, okay, well, it's a penalty in this day and age. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I've got no real arguments against it for the fact that he did. <laughs> It's a foul in the box. So, however soft it is, it is a penalty. Um, it's just one of them things. It was just, an, again, w- really weird that no one seemed to know what was going on. I, I mean, that's just, again, piss poor from VAR fans in the stadium just, just wondering, you know, constantly, what are they checking? Have we got a clue uh, at any point? And it, it's it's just frustrating that, the, the, again, the last people that are, that I thought about are the other are the match paying the match ticket paying uh, supporters, um, but obviously Jose Sarr stood up tall, uh, made a good save uh, from Brennan Johnson, second save of the season now, um, which um, which is uh, you know an excellent record, like we say, and uh, all done with one hand as the South Bank wanted to remind <laughs> uh, remind the footballing world of. Um, were you backing him in that scenario, Tom? Um... Yes, I was backing him just because, as you said, he's already said the penalty of the season. Super concerned about these comments about him not being fully fit and having a fucking sprained wrist or whatever it is. But um, uh, yeah, I, I I did believe. I think that everything was leading up to this moment. You couldn't really write it. It was so predictable. But um, I think Jose Sars, he is, he is a fantastic goalkeeper. And I think... When I think back to the hole that could have possibly been left when Patricio let, uh, went to Roma, um, this is just a really good reflection of how good he's been for the club overall. Um, and I was really, really pleased that he saved that because when you saw that footage of him speaking to the fans after the Chelsea game, he obviously loves the club. He loves being part of it. He wants to do the best he can. Um, and yeah, I was just really, really pleased for him uh, for getting that save. And I think that's been a real boost. Yeah, yeah. I'm think... getting into. So go ahead, Stu. Sorry. No, I was just going to say. I know we've. I mean, he's been criticised a bit this season as well. I mean, he's still in like the top six <laughs> from like expected shot saves and all that kind of thing in, in the in the league. So even though he'd had a dip compared to last season's ridiculous numbers, he was st- he's still one of the very very top goalkeepers in the country. And to play through, I mean. I asked my brother about this about hand fractures and stuff, and he said it might just be one of them. Yeah, the bones broke, but or fractured, and there might be a hairline cutting it, but you wouldn't even know. So it's something you wouldn't even feel anything. It's just a case that it is broken; it'll it'll fix itself. So, but the fact that he, he was coming out and punching things away, and he, he obviously doesn't seem to care, or he's proper hard as nails, either or. Um, I thought he's just he looked more commanding yesterday than he has all season long for me. Which is very very strange situation to be in. Yeah, and and obviously a standout performance from from Saar off the back of that penalty save. Coming in to talk about individual performances. Um, first, obviously we saw the game out. Notable um, interventions from I think Joe Hodge in particular uh, with a nice shit out of, of a of a foul um, that was uh, stopped to a Forest counter attack. And uh, Hugo Bueno coming on for his debut and and, and winning a couple of headers. Uh, as the ball was launched uh, towards him as well, which another big show of faith from the the, the youth team managers to, to actually chuck another another young player in there. Um, was there anyone in particular that stood out to you? I'm going to I'm going to pick out 
a player who seems to have divided quite a lot of opinion uh, on social media in, in Totti. I know. So this is what happens. Gully starts talking Saturday. about Totti. Um, what did you give this? You dropped out of it then. Um, I'm with you. Sorry, I agree. So, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I don't get where this this totty bashings come from at all. I thought he was, yeah, he, bashing. He, like that could be confused as something very different, couldn't it? Well, we're, <laughs> 2022. Let's be let's behave ourselves. Um, <laughs> it's, it's it's God's day. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand it whatsoever. It's it's just one of them things that. Because when we were talking before, and like he's he passes the ball in a very odd way, like his body seems to be like aligned wrong for how he sets himself up. And yeah, a few passes went straight early on, but he's obviously his confidence is an all time now after having a midfielder picked in front ahead of him, um, a couple of weeks ago. And you think, well, he's going to get back to what he did last season, and we saw what he did last season, he was good, he's not as good as Kilman or Collins, obviously. He's a very good. He's like the Steve Bolt, the Keown, and <laughs> Tony Adams. <laughs> he's a very, he's a very good able deputy, and I, th- I don't understand. I mean, you, you seem like one of these evil ones, Tom. That you think he, he, he had a terrible game, and other than a few wayward passes, I don't see. Do you explain yourself? Uh, happily, um, uh, no. I, I think words are definitely being put in my mouth right about now um <laughs> and i would not consider myself a totty basher um however <laughs> I, I think it is fair for me to say that he is still very very inexperienced and yeah I, there have been he's been super solid when he has made appearances i think yesterday was probably the least impressive appearance that i've seen him make but Stu, I think you're completely right with the fact that, you know, he's going to need more time. His confidence is low. I think there's probably a bit of confusion about him knowing where his true place is in the club. Um, But overall, I mean, he saw the game out and we won the game and he did nothing kind of explicitly terrible. That I mean, that clearance was slightly embarrassing. But other than that, yeah, I guess I guess you're right. And sorry for... Um, being mean about him, guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if we're talking about clearances, I mean, there's there's one from an England international today that's kind of uh, makes him makes Ooh, him look like yeah. Beckenbauer. So mm, yeah, yeah, true. exactly. Um, we want a formal written apology, by the way, Tom. Just, uh, <laughs> in true in true teacher style. Uh, yeah. yeah. Forty eight um, hour policy to get that turned around. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> no worries. We'll uh, we'll hold off. We'll hold off. Don't worry. Um. Yeah, I, I just think, I mean, this, the bloke was playing his sixth Premier League game, I think. Um, <laughs> and I, 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 someone made a good point to me that Max Kilman, um, whilst now a fully-fledged kind of Premier League performer and, and really classy operator, his first 10 games at the club probably wouldn't have led you to believe that he would have reached this stage uh, in his career, necessarily. Um, and that's only come because of uh, game time and, and being able to play consistently. And uh, I mean, Bruno Large probably deserves a bit of credit for that, uh, for actually blooding him uh, consistently last season. So, Totti, I think he's what he is. He's a backup centre-half. Collins will probably come in on Tuesday and, uh, you know, reassert himself there. And Yeah, I reckon he might make people feel a little bit more comfortable. But at the end of the day, he's come in. He's done a job, helped us do a clean sheet. Uh, on Saturday, and uh, he'll uh, he'll be better for the experience for sure. Was there anybody else who you thought was particularly good uh, to begin with, Stu? 
I mean, I thought Matthias is getting there, even though he's still ridiculously played out of position for some for reasons unknown. Um, well, the reason being to seemingly accommodate Matinho, which is another question altogether. Why this is carrying on? Um, I'm guessing because Bubakatra is not completely fit yet. That would be the only real reason because he seems to be his legs seem to have. Not gone, but he's not at the level he's uh, he's been at the last few years. Um, but it's hard to pick anyone because it wasn't really a, like a standout performance game. I mean, Neves was was probably seven out of ten steady again, and I thought Diego Costa looks way fitter than he's got any reason, any right to be really. Um, considering he's, I mean, obviously he's not been going Daddy Thor and everything as he and just gorging <laughs> on burgers. He's kept himself in some kind of shape. So I don't. I never expected this kind of thing of oh no, he's going to take months to get fit because if you're out for nine months with an injury, you would come back after a month, wouldn't you? So I thought he put he put himself around brilliantly. Um, the thing with Henderson was just class, and yeah. he was just being a little twat. Or he was being exactly what we thought he'd be, and him and his antics g'd up everyone. It, it might have been you know a contribute towards getting out of the line in the end anyway because. Everyone was getting a bit, bit nervy and a bit on edge. But him, him and his little antics, and even on the touchline, he was dodging people up. And when he threw the ball away as well, and he's got everyone on side already. And and you'd be a club legend after like two and a bit appearances. Yeah, it's just superb. And yeah, you I can just see and, it already. He's he's going to yeah. play the crowd like a fiddle. Like he just he just knows what buttons to press straight away. I mean. Personally, think he did square root of fuck all, really. Um, but he still had the, the crowd singing his name as he departed, just for that little Henderson little uh, rattle. And um, yeah, the, the atmosphere's needed that, I think. It's been pretty um, average, shall we say, to put it kindly, down at Molyneux over the last, you could say, maybe even 12 months. Um, so yeah, maybe this is the the injection that the crowd needs to really get behind the club again. Um Tom, I'll, I want to ask your opinion on Jaramatinho because uh, I think there's there's a couple of things. There seems to be a bit of an insistent on, insistence on playing him. Obviously, very experienced player has been really good for us. I personally don't think he's offering anything that another central midfielder would be able to. Uh, wouldn't be able to, sorry, and is also leading to Nunes playing like like Stu mentioned a bit too high up the pitch. I think he's better from a deeper position. But where do you stand on that? I mean, I. I'm probably in a similar camp to, to you guys. I think Moutinho, I hope that this year there is a kind of phasing out of his influence in that midfield. And that's not to say that he should now just sit on the bench and be a bit part player. I think that he obviously still oozes skill. And I think that he is probably the, if not one of the best players that's played for our club. But I liked the dynamic when he was subbed off today, that he was still on the sidelines and still very much an active participant in the squad and how the squad was was playing and kind of jeering everyone on. Um, but I think that you're right. I think it's time for us to start thinking about implementing a change in the system at midfield so that we can really get the most out of Nunes because fuck knows where he's going to be next this time next season. It might not be with us. So we need to make sure that we maximise his his impact that he can have on our club. And if that means either dropping Moutinho or 
only giving Moutinho a certain amount of minutes or whatever it might be, I think it's the right decision. Um, but that is not, that's, I think we're all in agreement that that is not us bashing Moutinho, to, uh, so to speak. It's, I think it is just a very, very sensible and logical assumption to suggest that a man who isn't getting any younger um, and has done exceptional stuff for the club should probably start stepping aside so that the younger players can do their thing. Yeah, completely yeah, agree. It's probably yeah. a reason why. Yeah, it's probably a reason why Totti bashing is a thing, but Joao bashing isn't um, doesn't quite <laughs> have the same ring to it, does it? Um, it well, we'll kind of wrap up the uh, the forest chat with a, a bit of a nod to a slightly ill judged uh, social media post uh, <laughs> from prior to kickoff uh, from our, our, our Midlands neighbours. Um, a lot of you will have seen the. Um, the pre-match tweet from from Nottingham Forest official account uh, of I think it's Renan Lodi actually uh, sat on the Molyneux turf with a few wolf cubs, um, shall we say, uh, with with playtime as the uh, as the caption. Um, it, it had the the feel of a good old you know pin it up in the dressing room, and which the the new the new kind of modern day version of that is sharing it in the WhatsApp group uh, based on what Steve Davis. Um, Said it before after the game. Sorry, and uh, sounds like Ruben Neves in particular took a little bit of a uh, a personal um, mantra, mantra to kind of make sure we were we were stood up on the right right side of this conversation at the end. But nice to see us uh, have one over a club on this front, isn't it? Yeah, it's. I mean, why anyone thought the need that to do this and that it was a good idea in the first place was is questionable at best especially when these things inevitably are going to bite you on the arse massively and, and if the guy has lost his job <laughs> so, like it was rumored last night and then I mean that might be a bit harsh but still wolves have used that to their advantage in the dressing room and it spurred them on so he, the, the social media managers contributed to their own downfall <laughs> mate it, it's superb i mean i think fair play to Josh for pointing this out. I mean, the safe trip back, not Forest, is just genius. And I, I didn't realise he'd said that either at first until someone pointed it out. It's just banter kings of the uh, the Twitter space. It's what a naive thing to do. I mean, like, when I saw that yesterday, I just thought, that is the most fucking risky thing a Twitter manager or a social media manager of a football club can do particularly on the run that they're going on and you know what like if the rumors are true that they've been sacked it's like <laughs> what do you expect it's like the, one of the riskiest things you can do um but hey it's all good fun yeah it's the equivalent of kind of leaving yourself open on a counter-attack isn't it and uh, getting punished for it um but yeah we'll leave we'll leave forest behind on that note safely dispatched uh, in our rearview mirror and uh, we'll take a quick break guys after which we'll discuss the ongoing managerial situation and uh, a couple of other things alongside Twitter Corner. Hi all, Gully from Wolves Fancast here and just like all of you long-suffering Wolves fans I know exactly what it feels like to be lacking a creative spark here, some outside of the box thinking there but our sponsors Pixel Yeti Media are here to help. They're a creative agency that cover all of your web design, branding and marketing needs. 
with our very own WolvesFanCast.com, a fine example of their work. So much so that I hear Jeff Shee is looking to do a deal this summer. For now, it's back to the team to ask just where the Diogo Jota money is gone. We might have just had our answer. Welcome back, everyone. Um, quickly, just a, a nod to a couple of overseas visitors that have uh, been involved with uh, myself and Stu from the Fancast uh, this week. Uh, firstly, um, my cousin, actually, uh, Deepak Desi, made his way over from Sydney uh, to come to the game. Last time he was actually at Molyneux was 2015, I think. Uh, played Reading at home, um, lost 2-1. Not quite the trip uh, he wanted back home, uh, having not been in Wolverhampton since he was uh, probably 12 years old. But um, thank you, first of all, to everybody who helped me uh, secure a ticket for Deepak. He's wheelchair bound and then suffered, unfortunately suffered um, when he was about 11 years old and an illness which has led to him being in that condition. But um, really emotional moment for him to kind of come back to Wolverhampton. Uh, he's born and bred, went to the Royal School and... Um, actually uh, having moved to Australia, um, come back and, and enjoy a victory uh, for the first time. He's an avid listener to the fancast, avid fan, and he's actually embarking on a journey to become uh, a bodybuilder as well. Um, so if you can follow him on Instagram, at DDesi, really inspirational kind of journey he's on to, to, to kind of achieve that um, in his condition, which, uh, which is amazing, really. And um, Thank, thanks again, really, for, for everybody who helped us out to, to secure those tickets. Um, a special shout out to Steve Green, who usually sits in those seats and uh, alert me to the, the availability of them. Um, and Stu as well had another visitor. Um, I'll hand over to you, Stu. I just want to bring up this image here. Uh, <laughs> it's Nate uh, from at Soccer Near Fights. You've probably seen him on Twitter uh, interacting with all Wolves fans. Um, been a Wolves fan for a few years now, maybe, I, I think. Yeah. Five years. Um, he's been on the show as well. He was on that. Uh, yeah. um, he was on especially fil the uh, film cast episode of the Football Factory, which he'd never seen before. We, we gave him that assignment, which was a, a good laugh. You want to go and check that one out? Um, but yeah, he said he he always wanted to come over, obviously, and experience his first game. And I said to him, I said, "Well, if you you can always crash at mine if you want." So being an American, I thought, "Well, I'll give him a nice handy welcome and put the uh, nice St George's Cross." bedspread bed, bed on the uh, on the camp bed for him there um but yeah he he came over and he actually i mean he's he's here for the palace game as well for whatever mental reason um and he's going to the worst away ground in the country voluntarily so fair play to him for that but yeah we um we went to the uh Wensfield british legion so he experienced that on the friday night at a steady gallon of uh of good mild as you do and um yeah, he, we went to see Manny as well. So we had a couple of samosas, a Balti pie, um, orange chips as well from um, from the King Fry in Wensfield. So he's had the full Black Country experience, and he's and he's lived to tell the tale. And he's gone to watch Leeds Arsenal this afternoon just for a laugh. So yeah, he's um, he might be watching this. So All right, mate. <laughs> yeah, he, he was. Yeah, he's been good company. He's a good lad. So yeah, I'm sure he'll be back on the show soon at some point. I'm sure he's uh, looking forward to the dreaded trip to uh, Crystal Palace. Uh, notorious <laughs> one for away fans, isn't it? Um, cool. Okay. Well, as we all know, uh, we haven't got a manager in, in situ at the moment. Uh, and uh, we continue to to be on the lookout. I'll, I'll shamelessly plug this again. But um, if you haven't already, head to our YouTube channel. And uh, I've personally picked out five potential options. Um, 
away from kind of the Mendes stable to, to replace Bruno Lage, uh, specifically Ketil Knutsen, uh, Marcelo Gallardo, Frank Ice, uh, Urs Fischer, and uh, Bo Svensson, all from kind of different leagues um, from all over Europe. And, you know, just some interesting options there for us to have a look at and some of the data behind uh, what is uh, making them successful at the moment. Um, but there has been another name that has been thrown into the mix, uh, specifically kind of from today, really, um, featuring quite high on the bookies list at the moment. And that is Michael Beale. Um Famous for kind of being an assistant manager up till this point, has uh, recently taken over the Queen's Park Rangers role. But uh, up until that point, we uh, featured in roles at Sao Paulo and uh, most notably as Steven Gerrard's assistant at Rangers and Aston Villa. Um, some say he was kind of the brains behind the op whole operation and Villa's fall away uh, at the start of this season in particular had a lot to do with the fact that Bill went on to take the, the Queen's Park Rangers role as, uh, as head coach. Um, but so far this season, they're sitting quite pretty in fourth, uh, played 14, won seven, drawn three and lost four. Um, Tom, straight off the bat, uh, what do you make of this link? And, and you know, it's, it's obviously quite a left field one for us, at least. Has it muted himself? You've gone very, very quiet. No, nothing. Mm. Stu, we'll come to you first while Tom yeah. kind of sorts himself out. Sorry, mate. The, the terrorists have pulled the plug on his uh, in his black site. That's, <laughs> yeah. what's, that's what's happened to. Um, I, I mean, me and Luke kind of joked about this five days, four or five days ago on Twitter, and he put it out saying, um, "Mikel Belio, uh, linked with a job, um, has success as a." As, as a coach at Sao Paulo, I thought, how many how many fish can we catch with this? And um, and now he's actually been linked for real, and it's kind of a very surreal situation because you look at his record as a coach. I mean, obviously, coaches good coaches never necessarily make good managers, but we don't have a manager per se, do we? So the way we are and the way we set up, having a coach like this, yeah, it didn't necessarily work under Bruno, but. It'd be a weird one. And I mean, I'll still watch the EFL highlights on ITV now. It's much easier. Um, and they have talked about this guy all season long, obviously, because where QPR are in the league. And the fact that he, he plays good football and it's not it's not very staid and negative and boring, which is the complete everything I've said. And I'm not going to talk <laughs> about, I'm not going to mention the D word, not once today. So you don't have to run away. Don't, don't be scared. Um <laughs> But you look, I've, I've, Stu, I've already been told today that listeners have turned off because you keep talking about Sean <laughs> Dyche. So, you know, you, you're actually in danger of like, uh, you know, hampering the, the fan cast brand at this point. <laughs> I didn't mention his name. You want to go all, all Voldemort, don't you? Then you can. Um, yeah. But uh, if it's true, then it's 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 only a good sign, eh? They're, they're not just not just picking from the Mendez catalogue anymore. And they are doing a bit of research for themselves. And the Rob Edwards thing seemed mental at first. But then you look at it, and especially what Miles Jacobs has said on Price of Football last week, that he was doing a great job at Watford anyway, and then that Watford being Watford did what they do. So I was kind of coming around to that idea of, okay, yeah, he, he did really well at Forest Green, and this is the kind of thing that I, me personally have been saying 
especially about him in particular, that why don't we give just give an English coach a go? It's not doesn't have to be from Portugal or Spain or wherever. But this seems different. The fact that he's worked in Brazil, that he can speak fluent Portuguese, which obviously is a tick in the box. I'd kind of be, I'm going to say all for this, but I'd be very, very encouraged the fact that we're brave enough to do something like this when there's an easy option out there bringing, bringing him back from, from the Far East. And I'd rather we go down this route. Well, I'd rather go have any, anyone at all than Nuno, to be honest. But I'd rather do something adventurous like this, knowing that the players we've got and the fact that Steve Davis has, has got a tune out of them yesterday, we're not that bad that anyone who comes in is going to fuck it up that badly that we're going to get relegated, are we? Um, he says. But yeah, if it happened, I'd be all for it. Just because it's a bit of a wild card and we haven't had that kind of mad kind of thinking for a while. Yeah, still you just sent Nuno even further away from us by putting him in the Far East as opposed to the Middle East. He can go to the Far East. That's where he's really going next. You really don't want Nuno back then, do you? Um, <laughs> Tom, hopefully you're back with us now. Uh, I mean, Hello, can you hear games... me? Is that a bit better? Yeah, yeah, bit... you're okay. clear. You're clear. Um, just 14 games into a career as a manager at this point. Um, does that fill you with any dread or is there anything you've, you know, you'd be quite curious about? Or... No, I, 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 I'm kind of uh, singing from the same hymn sheet as you. I think that we have been let down by Bruno Large and kind of I think it's time for something a little bit different coming from a completely different angle someone who yes is inexperienced in a complete in a capacity of actually a managerial role but obviously has had so many experiences in lots of different areas of football across the world um, working with Gerard and it's interesting that yeah Villa the kind of the wheels are starting to fall off in, in that project and it's coinciding with the fact that he's left. You know, I I think it's good. We a very good friend of mine is is a QPR fan and says that he's been happier this season at the beginning of this season than any season in recent memory. Um and I'm really, really intrigued and interested to see where this could go. And it's all exciting. You know, it, uh, someone completely new coming into the club who and there is that kind of nervous energy that nervous excitement so yeah there is some doubts there but as you said we've got a good team and we've got a good squad of players and they managed to get over the line yesterday there's so much quality there that you would like to think some with some fresh ideas might be able to get a a new set of uh well just a completely different side of this team um so, yeah, I, I, I would be happy if, if it came out that they were in advanced talks or negotiating or, or whatever it might be. Yeah, I, I think it would be good. Well, I, you know, I tend to kind of like delving a little bit deeper into, into this kind of stuff. There isn't a fat lot of data to work with, unfortunately, on um, on Michael Beale and his time at uh, at, uh, at QPR at this point. But um, if I just share my screen on... FB ref. Can you see that, guys? Sorry. I've gone for yeah. the whole really corporate this is. Make sure you can see my screen and all that. Um, this is the run of results that they've had so far this season. You'll notice that there's probably a bit of uh, chopping and changing of shape. Um, dabbled in back three. Uh, dabbled in a bit of a diamond shape as well here, which didn't quite work out. And I think they've, they've managed to settle on a, a 4-3-3 shape, which is working quite nicely for them. 
uh, up until this point. Obviously, a disappointing result um, against Luton at the weekend. But a team that finished 11th last season, a squad that wouldn't necessarily be associated with uh, getting instant promotion. If you look at some of the names kind of along your left-hand side of your screen, Elias Chair has been there for a while. Um, I know Stephanie Hansen was uh, formerly, formerly at Fulham. Lyndon Dykes is the main man um, up front. Uh, not prolific yet. Chris Willock is the one that has been backing the goals for them so far this season. And really, it's um, a bit of an unknown quantity, frankly, at the moment. We uh, we don't know what we, we're expecting to get. I mean, beyond watching kind of 90 minutes of, of the 14 games uh, that the QPR have played so far this season, um, it really would be a totally out-of-character appointment for Wolves to make. But you'll be the first to know as soon as the fan cast knows anymore. Um, we'll, um, we'll keep you guys posted, obviously, and uh, hopefully the club will make an announcement soon. Um, with a quick turnaround, obviously, on Tuesday uh, for a game, um, do we do you expect anything to happen by then? No, not in terms of getting someone through. I mean, there might be talks by then, but there's no one going to come in through the door to take over, is there? Um, I mean, I was just thinking a thing from Alex Dickin then on Twitter about um, Beal, that a quote from Stephen Gerrard. He said, "It would take me fifteen to twenty years to become as good as Michael Beal as an on-pitch coach." So he's <laughs> pretty much admitted himself that he's clueless, and it's all down to him. So there we are. Um, yeah, I'd I'd be amazed if anything happened before um, before Palace. I mean, even Brentford, I think, is pushing it a bit the way things have gone. Um, just what you just won't really want something, just so that it, it seems like we're not just putting names out into the ether and oh, let's just see what the reaction is and leave Steve Davis in charge just to just to carry the ship. I mean, from one point of view, you look at it and think, well, take the time. There's no rush, um, and these games technically on paper are probably winnable compared to Brighton and Arsenal, which is going to be more tricky after that. Um. But yeah, I don't. I don't expect anything before Tuesday at all. I uh, yeah. I, I I think as a club, we need to kind of take a breath and really not make any decisions based on like our heart rather rather than our heads. And that's kind of wow. Linking to Nuno, I'm just kind of gobsmacked that that's got so much traction, and that actually you are watching Wolves Twitter con convert into Nuno Nuno kind of. Well, Nuna files before <laughs> and uh, it's actually quite scary. Um, so I think it's good that we've got this new name that's being taken seriously and that we're talking about. And there, there isn't a huge rush. I think over the next week, we've got two games. As I said, Steve Davis, I'm, I'm happy with what Steve Davis is doing. He's he's he is the kind of the right man to be in this situation right now. He's all heart. He's passionate. He loves the club. And give him those next two games with the players so that we can actually, as a club, make a sensible, rational, well-thought-out decision and not take steps backwards. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, yeah, Dean's obviously made a point there um, regarding Davis and Collins over the next week. Um, I just think we need to try and get away from this whole Steve Davis dream job oh, he's just happy to be here kind of thing. You know, it's uh, it's still a serious position that we're in. We need to be picking up results. And, um, you know, it's um, something that, I mean, he's, he's had a career as a football manager. He worked at Crew. I know he um, was 
interviewed for the job when Jacket took it. I think um, at the time, uh, crew would, were on a bit of a crest of a wave um, as we headed down to League One. I think we played in the same league as them that season, didn't we? I think did we yeah, win the we title? Won the league, there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, he's not. It's not like he's come from absolutely nowhere to to be managing the football club at this point. He's he's, he's obviously not operated at this level, but let's. Uh, Let's allow him to, to continue the good work and uh, hopefully build on what was a good victory uh, for him on Saturday. Um, we'll move on to Twitter corner, guys. Um, got a few questions for us to answer here. On the subjects of, of managers, King Wolf 84 has asked, what are the most left field suggested names for the manager's job that we've seen? I would actually say Nuno was the most left field that came out initially because I was just like, why the fuck would you go there? <laughs> yeah. You can't... It, it it doesn't make uh, they're getting on the soapboxing. It just doesn't make any sense, does it? It's 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 like it's, it screams desperation. That I you try you tried another bird. She was shit, and you want to get back your ex because it was a steady hand job. Um, it's just <laughs> <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Are we, are people are started speaking from experience about this. Everyone keeps coming back to that. You wouldn't go back to your ex analogy, and I feel like people have been like uh, drawing burned, yes. Yeah. Some, some experiences <laughs> and feelings, and I'm like, oh shit! There's no need to delve that, that deep, guys. It's therapy. <laughs> that, that's what it's bought. It's bought. It's bought therapy. People are talking about their experiences now. Um, I think the actual question. I think this Michael Beale one's the most radical. Uh, Rob Edwards makes sense because he was here before, and obviously he's got still got friends here, and he's well thought of uh, within the game anyway. Um, but yeah, just I think Lopetegui was obvious because of. 2016. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't I just out of sheer madness of it all that he's only had 14 games in charge, um, more than anything else, and he's doing that well. But yeah, let's get him there before someone else does. Just yeah, hypothetically, mean... just hypothetically speaking, boys, if Lopetegui didn't have a serious family situation, he was appointed as manager, where do you think we're finishing next summer? I mean, I, to be honest, I think he's just a bit of a cock tease now. Uh, as a, in terms of stretching that relationship analogy, he's just he's just he's, he's leaving himself out there, wearing short skirts, all that kind of stuff, and he's just uh, you know leaving us hanging everywhere he goes. But um, I think he it, it felt like the most natural appointment to make, and even if it was just a boost in the mood around the club, that would have started us getting results. I think personally. This isn't a bad team. I still don't think it's a bad team. We're just pathetic around the penalty area. Um, so I'd have seen us. I, I, I think we'd have seen probably by by the time the World Cup come round, I we'd have been mid, mid table. I think. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, 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 well, just because of the way he plays and it's not vastly different. Like we mentioned earlier, it's not vastly different to what we had under under the N word. Well, not that in word, obviously, bad. Um, uh, yeah, he's he's, pra he's pragmatic. We don't score goals anyway. It's it's one of them. It, it, it seems like a match made in heaven in kind of some kind of sick way. So top half finish would have been great from the position that we're in. I couldn't see any more than that come June or July, whenever the season decides to finish. Yeah, sorry, moving on then to the next question. At Shake the Place, you have to question the wider football structure of Wolves. While it's great to buy good players, if there's no succession planning for managers, director of football, Jeff trying to do everything, and your key transfer ace is Scott Sellers, 
have walls set up to fail struggle. Um, I mean, it's a pretty pretty hard-hitting, deep uh, Twitter corner today, it seems. Um, but, I mean, I've kind of banged this drum for probably the last six months, I think, that ultimately you back yourself into a corner when it comes to being on the Mendes carousel. I think the the, the phrase you used, picking out the Mendes catalogue, Stu, was, mm. it's really quite apt um, because it does feel like that sometimes. It's, except the edition doesn't quite get updated every season like you might with the Argos catalogue. Um, it's, it's more like index. Yeah, yeah, which is going out of business. Which, yeah, maybe that's uh, maybe that's our next move. Um, but it's just it's just a frustration that there's a whole world out there of opportunity. And I, I constantly come back to Brighton as the example, man. They're, they're just such a well-run club, picking plucking players and managers from obscurity and continuing to improve. It, it's whilst they haven't had the the consecutive seventh place finishes that we've had. Yeah, incrementally they're constantly getting better and probably on a better footing to actually maintain that uh, if they do manage to break into the top six going forward. Um, so, but I don't know how you guys feel about that. I feel like it's pretty unanimous in, at, at the moment. Yeah, I, I'm concerned that we're constantly at the mercy of a Mendes client or a Mendes decision. And I think that's why it's so refreshing to see all the talks about Beal and that we're going to try and go in a different direction. Um, because you're right, it's... It's all fun and games being in the Europa League and finishing seventh consecutively and all the rest of it. But when shit goes south, it goes really, really south. Whereas you're right with with the Brighton setup where there is almost a kind of modest acceptance that they are not on the same level as the Chelsea's, the Arsenal's, whatever it might be. And that's why Potter left. They are incrementally getting better. Um, they've managed to develop some really, really good players. Like Alexis McAllister is flying this season um and you're right you kind of look at you look on at, at brighton with envy a little bit um because there is a project there which is bigger than the 11 players on the pitch and the manager on the sideline so I mean, yeah brighton brighton are the brighton model is exactly what jeff she said that he wants us to be <laughs> um but that was was that, was that last year's ask walls where he said that um talking about being sustainable and doing things in a different way yeah. And it's all gone tits up and it never actually happens. Whereas Brighton actually do do it. Um, yeah, it is. It does make a lot more sense because obviously with, especially with a new um, FFP or whatever it's going to be called in two years time, we're even more screwed then from a financial point of view than we are now. So um, it's going to take something to, inventive and having some kind of structure now before it's too late would help that. Do I trust the people in charge to do that? No, not absolutely no way. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's we're we're entering a new realm. The one great fear that you do have is if your squad is littered with Mendes clients, him actually, you know, if we if we decide to go in a different direction, literally pulling moves out left, right, and centre for for what is the core of the squad, um, and uh, and actually leaving us in the lurch a little bit. But um, that's the situation we're kind of facing at the moment, I guess, isn't it? Um, see how we navigate it. Um, at Dave Python, two questions here. Uh, Matinho worth a shot as player manager? He was he was dictating proceedings from the bench, it seemed, when he came on. Maybe one day, maybe one day. I think he would need to go and, and learn his trade elsewhere. And then when he's an established, suave, suit-wearing managerial machine we can welcome him welcome him back with open arms and, and when he gets when he gets added to the new edition of the mendez uh catalog 
yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We, that we are at the mercy of, may I add again. When it does really make note, the whole Mendes catalogue thing, I mean, Fosen own guest of, part of Guest of View anyway. It's not the other way around. So I, I don't see why it, it should be the way it is. Like, I'll, we'll rub your back on. We actually pay your wages. Just behave yourself. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, they should. They, it does seem like they are growing a, a, a few balls here and, and doing things this way. And like it should have always have been the way. Yeah, it works under Nuna, but the, there's, the ceiling's there, obviously, like, like we've already said. And yeah, it's. I think Martinho would be would be different because he has been here. He knows the club more than anyone else. Obviously, his family and everything. Um, but has he even got any badges? Because you never really hear about that, do you? Like he's done his his coaching or anything like that. Would that even be allowed? I think you can you can kind of do stuff on the job though, can't you? Up to a certain point, you have to, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, if there's if there's any player in our current squad that screams out, kind of future manager, it's definitely him. I mean, it would be a waste mm. if he wasn't. I think he's got a lot to offer, and you could just tell that in the way he plays football, the way he dictates play, and the way do you know sometimes when he's got the ball and he's just kind of he's already doing that kind of point. He's like pointing everywhere when he's actually kind of going to pass the ball. You can tell that he has a footballing brain and could have a lot to offer. But um, I think we'd have to go back to Portugal and, and, and as, as I said, learn his trade. And then, but it would be cool to see him, I don't know what, 10 years time, something like that, come back and when we're in League Two <laughs> and, um, and uh, do some bits when uh, the Mendes machine has left us completely kind of, you know, gutted. Uh, <laughs> he, he could be the man to, to, to bring us back to, to past glory. All of the... As you say, imagine if he comes back in 2028. <laughs> oh, wow. There you go. Be, uh, Send the poetic, covered invoice it? now, Stu. Send the covered <laughs> invoice now for that. Yeah, there yeah. At which, at which point, all of our songs will be in Portuguese and stuff anyway, won't they? So he'll feel right at home. Um, uh, other question that Dave asked was about uh, Joe Hodge. Um, we kind of touched on him and enjoyed his uh, his little shithousery, but he looks, at, he looks a decent player, doesn't he? Yeah, I thought I, I really enjoyed it. He was probably the best player on the pitch for us last week at Chelsea, especially. He, looked, when, he changed the game for a sort of short spell, didn't he? Yeah, and he, he don't look scared, which obviously where he's come from, he's not going to be, um, especially on the ball. But to see the other side of his game yesterday, when he, he and Neves giving him a little rub on the head as well afterwards, like, oh, well done, kid, that kind of thing. Yeah, great. I think what that says about kind of Ronan is more that, yeah, it's never going to happen for him, is he? Poor kid. Well, he's probably about 26 now, maybe, or something like that. He's, he's never going to have a chance, but... He's doing his managerial badges, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'll, he'll manage in the Premier League for us before he plays in the Premier League for us. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll end on a slightly irreverent one. Um, I, I did I did think I was going to do some research on this before I came on, but I didn't end up doing it. Uh, from Todd DeWitt, just found out my wife has never seen a John Carpenter movie. Which movie is she... Of his, should she watch first? I must confess to not being aware of any of his movies, to be honest. Oh come on! There was I a kid in my school know. called John Carpenter. I don't Carpenter. even know who the fuck that is. There was a kid in my school called John Carpenter. I do remember him, um, but not not the film director. I don't. I don't yeah, I was going to say that I don't, he's made any films. Um, depends what you want. I mean, obviously, Escape from New York's probably the more fun film. The Fog and They Live, and the, you know the one that oh. Oh, 
We're not going to know, Stu. You, you just no, no, you wouldn't. No, no. The, the um, Studio Six 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 last year, the Foo Fighters, Foo Fighters, um, in a kind of Scooby Doo like horror film. It, this actually exists, by the way. I'm not going to concrete. Oh, it's completely I've seen insane. A trailer for that, and Dave Grohl gets like possessed in that. I've seen yeah, it. yeah, 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 yeah. That's, he that's did that. He directed uh, that. Uh, did he direct it? I'm sure. He, I'm sure he was part of it. I'm going to have to double check now. I'm not going completely insane. Uh, he was part of it, or was he just in it? Um, I know he, he was. He was a contributor, and he's going to get mad about this. And cage fighting, and this and that. But actual film knowledge, where we think of it, and we actually know things. But I mean, the fog. Everyone's seen the fog, surely. Radio no. silence over here. Yeah. There's no. There's no hope. <laughs> I mean, big, big trouble. Are they big trouble in little China? The, yeah, no, heard of that. I've heard of that. I actually have heard of that. They're all too young. Thank there you. you go. <laughs> Todd, I, I, I really, I really hope we've uh, we've helped you out there, Todd, um, in some shape or form. Basically, we haven't watched them, so there's no right reason why you should have either. So that's for your wife, I guess, now, isn't it? Um, but yeah, we'll leave it on that note, guys. Um, big match against Crystal Palace on Tuesday. Coming up, um, don't think we'll have a preview uh, before that, but make sure you join us again for the review of that fixture probably on Wednesday night um, after what is inevitably going to be um, a really shit game in a horrible place <laughs> and uh, nobody's going to be enjoying too much of that. But we'll be here to cheer you up afterwards anyway. So from me, Tom and Stu, thanks for joining us and see you all soon. 